Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. You guys, I love you back. I love you back so, so much. And it's September 1. Okay? That means summer is over. Okay? I mean, in the United States of America, summer is over on Labor Day. I read it in a legitimate fact sheet. So I will now be putting my air conditioner ridiculously cold so that I could pretend like it's sweater weather. Okay? So, wow, our last night here. Wow, we, it has been a journey. And we just all keep finding the right place to show up. <laughs> like, I guess it just really takes a prophetic community to belong here, right? I, I love when Blake talks about some of the angels that have been with us from the beginning. How about last week? Could you guys just listen to Blake tell stories about seeing in the spirit all day long? And so I was was like, Lord, remind them we're leaving. Remind them, download the app. Let heaven come with us. They need to know. (laughs) Make sure they get there. (laughs) It's so beautiful. If you didn't hear the podcast last week, just about so much of our history and leading up to this point that we're in, listen to it. You know, I, I, I don't really see in the spirit. I, I saw in the spirit with my eyes one time and I ran out of the room. <laughs> like literally, I just, I just totally left. And <laughs> I still joke with the Lord to this day. You walked in the room and everything changed because I left. Like, I, I left, so the whole, the whole encounter changed. <laughs> but I always, just, I always just want to be right there in the middle of everything Blake is saying. You know, like one, one time he ex- described this angel that was covered in autumn leaves. Wow. This one, time, this one time we were at, I was remembering last week, this time we were at our PCB Bassam retreat. Any of you that are coming this year, phenomenal time. And... He was describing this scroll that he literally saw roll down from heaven. Was anybody there that year? Like phenomenal. And you could write anybody's name on this scroll who you needed to forgive. And there was like a line of people like filling up their space in the moment. It was like a heavenly moment. And I was sitting in the back and I was like, I just, I want to be a part of this. And I I couldn't find anyone to forgive. I I was like searching my soul. So I didn't want to like go up there and be a liar. You know, (laughs) this is like a heavenly eternal scroll. This is my moment. So I went and I stood in the line to write on the scroll. And I just wrote, Jen was here. (laughs) my space in this moment. <laughs> so where, wherever you're at in this journey with us, you are here. You are here. 
So we've, we've just been on this journey uh, with Hezekiah during this fast. You don't have to raise your hand if you're fasting. There's zero judgment if you're not. Raise your hand if you've cheated. Go ahead. No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm fasting, but I ate peanut M&Ms last night. It's okay. It's okay. There's no judgment. <laughs> and, you know, Lindy had this dream where the Lord told her, just drink in Hezekiah. So as a staff, we've just been mulling over Hezekiah and just Steve was just encouraging us if we have a moment with the mic to just influence with Hezekiah. We were just talking with Jennifer uh, yesterday and she was just at a conference in Australia with Bill and guess he taught on Hezekiah. She's getting ready to go to conference. She's gonna teach on Hezekiah. So there is wind blowing. Has anybody else just been drinking in Hezekiah? So every time I read the story, my heart stops in the same spot. So I just wanna look at it for a little bit today. If you guys wanna turn to 2 Kings 20. And we're gonna, so he, the, we're gonna pick up the story from when he was just miraculously healed and granted 15 more years to his life. Wow. So in verse 12, at that time, king of Babylon sent envoys with letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick and Hezekiah welcomed them and he showed them all his treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious oil, his armory, all that was found in his storehouses. There was nothing in his house or in all his realm that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said to him, what did these men say? And from where did they come to you? And Hezekiah said, they have come from a far country from Babylon. He said, what have they seen in your house? And Hezekiah answered, they have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing in my storehouses that I did not show them. And you know, this was a massive point of failure in Hezekiah's life, but I always tread lightly when I'm reading stories about the failure of heroes. You know, even, even in our life, when we hear of heroes failing, I tremble a little bit in my heart because we, we have never walked in their shoes, you know, like, like literally the Lord just switched directions of the sun for Hezekiah. Like I, I've never experienced that before, like ever. <laughs> and and we, we can look at it and be like, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have flaunted what I had like that. Well, I've never actually had that. I, I, I've, I've never, I've never, I've never actually had a storehouse to show anyone. Okay, I'm a, like my spices aren't special. I'm like, come look at my cinnamon. You want to see my cinnamon? I have nutmeg. I have nutmeg. It's like, you know, when we look at, at leaders who have literally made their mark in human history, and we're, we come humbly to receive strength from their weaknesses and from their strengths. And you know, there is no perfect story in the Bible except the person of Jesus. 
There is no perfect story in human history except the person of Jesus. And we, we benefit from every story that's surrounding our life that's in the Bible when we come with a heart of humility. Like, actually, I can't say that I would never do that. I've never had the opportunity to do that. <laughs> it's easy to say, money will never own me when you have like $2, you know? <laughs> I don't know, this $2 doesn't own me, I know that, you know? <laughs> and so it's rare, you know, just receiving, you know, Vanessa pointed out that in 2 Kings 18, all of his wealth came from the Lord. All of his prosperity came from the Lord because he set his heart motive to be first for God. And every extraordinary thing that had happened in his life had come from God. So the problem wasn't wealth. The problem wasn't all the spices and everything in the storehouse and the armory. That all came from God. And so let, let's just dive in and see what Isaiah had to say. Then Isaiah in verse 16 said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. And, you know, it's important to see that he was stewarding something that had been handed down from his fathers. Like, he... He made massive strides, but he's in the lineage of King David. One, one commentary I was reading was talking about Hezekiah was a promise fulfilled to King David. And that when we, when we lose track of the, the line of authority that our life is resting in, the line of blessing that our life is blessing, that our life, our story is set inside of the stories of generations before us and generations after us. And our, our capacity to carry wealth is, is dependent upon our ability to see ourselves inside the story of an entire generation of heroes. And you know, I had this dream one time where we were on this ship and this, uh, the, the devil was chasing me, but he was like an alligator, like a really creepy alligator. And I was like sprinting, like with all my might, trying to not let him eat me. And I knew he could smell me, like he had my scent. And I saw this huge line of people. And Paul Manwaring grabs me by the arm and throws me behind him. And he says, just get in line. And as soon as I got in line, he couldn't smell me any longer. And he was confused. And he, he was just walking up, well, like alligating up, up, <laughs> up and down, up and down the line and my heart's still racing and I'm super visible. I'm like right here. And he no longer had my scent. And, you know, something happens when we take our place in line. And, you know, the world around us wants us to believe that the line is our measure of significance. Like you gotta be at the front. No one in front of you. You know, the front of line. That, that's like second grade, you remember? You race to the front every day. I'm gonna be the line leader every day, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know? But in the kingdom, the, 
person at the front isn't more significant than the person at the back. You have to like go all the way to Adam. I'm like, nobody's gonna go back that far. It's impossible, you know? So it's like finding our spot in history is what equips us to reign in life. It equips us to carry something that's bigger than ourselves. Because until we're actually linked inside of generations of God followers, we will only be able to carry what we can handle ourselves. And, you know, I, I, the older we get, the more we have to look for opportunities to submit to authority. If we dream our whole life, nobody's going to tell me what to do. You know, we actually have to look for opportunities to get in line. That the health of our soul, the health of our future is dependent on recognizing, I mean, I'm stewarding something that was handed down to me. And, you know, I remember, I'll never forget this one night at Bassam, right here. I, um, we rent a building from these beautiful people for as long as I've been at the school. And I parked in this same spot for a very long time. You know when you like have a, like you have a seat and you like show up at church and someone's in your seat and you're like, whoa, whoa, what just happened? I sit there, you know, like it's like someone just went in my house and slept in the master bedroom. Like that's weird, you know? Like I had a parking spot. Like I had a spot and it was totally legal. There's no red paint. And I had gotten there early for a meeting and one of the ladies that actually runs the building that we rent was still there. And I came right in and she was like, hey, you can't park there, you know? And it felt like she had been agitated since I parked there the first day and just told me for the first time, like, oh, oh, okay. You know, and she went on to tell me why. And in my heart, my reaction was different than my face. <laughs> so my face was like, no problem at all. I'll, I'll go move it right now. Yes, you need to move it right now. So I'll, I'll totally move it. I'm so sorry. I might have even thrown in a man. But in my heart, I thought, why are you still here? You know? It's like Bassam time, you know? And I'm, I'm like walking up the stairs to go to school and... I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit like tap on my shoulder. You know, you know that tap? And he's like, I'm trying to give you what you've been crying out for. And are you humble enough to submit to authority? And you know, our cry for the more is answered in our capacity to yield in humility in our life. And it's the little places where our heart gets checked. Oh, that's a little tiny adjustment. But my, my mind instantly flashed to the sons of Sceva when they tried to use the same name Paul was using. And it didn't have the same effect because Paul was actually submitted to the lordship of Jesus. He had actually yielded his life to an authority that had permission to be bigger than him. And they tried to use the same name without the same submission. And the demons jumped on them and tackled them. And, you know, our, our capacity to carry the more 
is resting in the same depth of our humility to see our life in the bigger picture. Like, oh, whoa, this isn't just about me. And so when Hezekiah, Isaiah is, you know, rebuking him pretty much. And he says, behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up to this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your own sons who shall be born to you shall shall be taken away and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. For he thought, why not if there will be peace and security in my days? And so there was missing from the vision of Hezekiah, the fathers who had gone before him and the responsibility he had to faithfully steward what they had stored up and those that that would come after him. And a hundred years later, Daniel steps onto the scene and King Nebuchadnezzar besieges Jerusalem and takes the sons of Hezekiah. And, and Daniel was one of them. And Hezekiah's, you know, peace and security in his day, his dream didn't reach far enough to get to Daniel. It didn't reach far enough down the track to see, I dream of peace and security for my sons and my daughters. And the, the wealth, you know, the problem wasn't the wealth. The problem was that he was showing it off as his own, not stewarding it like it belonged to someone else. And when we start storing up for ourselves the blessing of God and, and stewarding it like this is mine, let me show you what belongs to me. We lose the point of our favor. We lose the point of blessing. We, we lose the point of what is being poured out in our lives, that I'm stewarding what was given to me and I'm stewarding what belongs to someone else. And that, you know, the, the beautiful thing about being put inside of Christ is that he is riches beyond measure. You know, Ephesians 2 says that the gospel is that we have been seated with Christ in heavenly places and that it will take eternity to, to search out the unmeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us. And, and so the, the overwhelming call on our life is to be overwhelmed with the riches of Jesus. And you know, Bill Johnson says, how, how much wealth is too much? And it's just where, where do you cap off in your ability to trust in God? That it's not a number, it's not an amount. Where do we cap off in something got bigger than Jesus? Something got bigger than the overwhelming reality of who he is in me and to me and that I've been positioned in him. And you know, when we are living from heaven to earth, everything down here just looks different. And Jesus modeled it so well. He, he said, I don't trust myself to people. I know what's in a man. 
that there wasn't anything in Jesus that could be bought because he knew what true wealth was. He knew where true wealth rested. And you know, the, the verse in Matthew 6 that says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven because where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And your eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eye is good, if your eye is focused, your whole body will be full of light. And what, what we focus on, where our treasure is, is naturally where, where our affection is gonna be drawn to. So if we're constantly moved by treasure on earth, if our affection is constantly be carried off by whatever it is, more not, you know, success in, in earthly terms, you know, I, I'm constantly finding myself having to refine back. What am I going to define success as? What am I going to define as at the end of my life? I'm happy I spent it on that. And it takes a constant purging of the soul. Like what is success in ministry? What is success in your relationship with Jesus? Because wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is naturally gonna go. And the treasure of heaven is Jesus. The greatest thing about this kingdom is the king. It doesn't get better than him. And when our treasure is there, our heart is constantly drawn to the more of him, the unsearchable riches that is found only in him. And, you know, my heart breaks when I see a generation of, like, suicide on the rise and it's people at the height in our nation of their dream career they're like at, they're seen as like the height of cultural success in America and they're taking their lives and we see like younger and younger children at the height of their health at the height of anything is possible in your future and and they are ending their lives and the earth our nation is groaning for hope and it can't be found in an earthly storehouse it, it can't be found in any measure of earthly success and then how devastating when you get to the height of that and you find out it doesn't satisfy you find out it doesn't fulfill everything you poured your life into has left me wanting and the whole earth is groaning for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed because sons and daughters value the Father. They have found their wealth in the Father. Jesus walked the earth as the wealthiest man the planet had ever seen because he had access to the Father. And we, we become sounds of hope when we are overwhelmed by real riches, when we are overwhelmed with real contentment. And you know, Paul, I love that, that verse in Philippians where he says in Philippians 4, I have learned in whatever situation I'm to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, 
abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And, and, and Paul, this is the guy who said, I, I, was at, I was at the height. I was in the tribe of all tribes. I, I was pretty much, according to the law, flawless. I was the hope of my religion. I was the hope of my nation. I was the guy. And he said, I counted it all as rubbish, trash on a garbage heap compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And this is the guy who's telling us the secret. When you have nothing and when you have everything, I found the secret. Is that I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. And, you know, Dan, Dan pointed out that Hezekiah's very name means the Lord is my strength. And the Lord had kept him through all of the success that I can't even imagine the amount of success he was walking in spiritually, culturally, historically. And then at the end of his life, the Lord is my strength. Like his story is to continue on through us picking up the baton. It carried on through Daniel picking up the, ba the baton and saying, I will not defile myself. The Lord is my strength. And you know, when I think about ending well, I always think about Stephen. He's like one of my heroes in the Bible. And, you know, I, I, I feel like this, my heart burns because I, I've heard for so many years, the fathers in, in our house, in our movement, talk about how important ending well is, how important it is to have a hundred year vision. Like from day one of stepping onto the Bethel campus, I feel like that has been the overwhelming message that has been on repeat for the last 16 years that I've been in this culture. And so my heart burns with that message as a daughter of the house. And I spend time often thinking, am I being motivated by eternity? <clears throat> I don't like a day to go by without thinking of heaven, without thinking I'm seated. How would I live right now if I was truly aware that I'm seated in heaven, what would I need from the world around me? What would I need from success? What would I need from people? It looks vastly different when you're seated in a wealth the world is crying out for, that we're seated right there next to him. And you know, Stephen, he got picked to serve tables and the way that he ended, you know, he basically pours out his heart, the gospel. And all these religious people are surrounding him with stones and they start throwing stones at him and literally his face, the Bible says, was shining like an angel. Like, you know, when your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. It was like literally, and you know, they're surrounding him, stoning him, and he says, I see heaven open, and I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the throne. 
And you know, it moves my heart every time. That is success. That is success. He got a standing ovation from King Jesus. <laughs> that, you know, he's seated there and he stands up and I can just see this huge smile on his face every time. That's my boy. That's my boy. And he, he's, he, he has a fragrance that smelt just like Jesus. That's why they hated him. And his ending words on planet earth were don't hold this against them. Forgive them that he left with a clean heart. He ended his life with a clean heart and a fixed gaze on Jesus. And you know, that is success. And I, I have started dreaming, man, I don't just want to end my life with a standing ovation from Jesus ending well. I want to be there in a hundred years, seated next to Jesus. And I want to see the look on his face when my sons and daughters are ending well. I want to watch him erupt with gratitude, erupt with pride. And I want to be standing right there in the cloud of witnesses, cheering on sons and daughters who I lived with in mind. That, that our greatest dream is that in a hundred years, everything that we spent our life on is still creating momentum in our legacy. That in a hundred years, it's not just that we tasted and saw that he was good. It's not just that we found a treasure that was worth it. It's that our sons and daughters are ending well. And you know, in order to end your life well, you've got to end seasons well. <laughs> you got to end days well. <laughs> we don't just show up at the end and end well. <laughs> you got to end conversations well. You got to end difficulty well. You got to end success well. You got to end pr praise from people well, <laughs> you know. We, we got to end a successful ministry moment well. We, we've got to end abundance well. And it, it, it starts now. And it, it's cultivated in every moment of every day where we're fixing our gaze on heaven, where our heart is being rooted where our treasure is. And, you know, I feel like the, the Lord has told me, I heard, I heard Graham Cook say one time, you know, your first 20 years of, of ministry is just preparation, you know? So, and then the next 20 is probably just preparation as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I've had my eyes fixed on like the last five years of my life. I'm gonna do something super significant, <laughs> you know? And <laughs> it's like, man, when our heart is on the end, it's all learning. And it all counts towards learning. And the, the pressure starts to fall off in the negative sense. Well, if this doesn't go well, I still got 20 more years to practice. You know, <laughs> if this, this doesn't go well, I got so much time to get it right again. You know, and something happens inside of us 
when our eyes are on the end. Something happens when our eyes are focused on longevity that we start to rewire the way that we're navigating our current season, that it actually matters the way that I end this. It actually matters the way that I, that I navigate failure, that I'm actually being prepared for the last years of my life to be the most significant on planet earth. I'm actually being prepared to fill up all my space in, in stewarding what fathers have entrusted with me and an entire generation that's coming after me. Because how much hope do you need? We, we need enough for a hundred years from now. We, we need enough not just for our current scenarios that we're walking through. We need enough for sons and daughters that we will never meet. We need enough for an entire nation, an entire generation. And when our eyes start to get fixed that far down the road, the cry for more naturally begins to erupt in our heart. And you know, I, the, the motivation of eternity, I, I just dream of every cell in my body being re rewired with just a hunger for the more coming from a heart that's rooted in heaven, rooted in the fullness of what heaven is. And you know, the, Chris Vallotton tells this story that he was crying out for more for, for weeks, maybe months. And he kept saying, give me the mantle of William Branham. Give me the mantle of William Branham. And the Lord told him, if I give you that mantle, it will crush you like it crushed him. And, and he had an inspired Holy Spirit thought and thought, then put it on an entire generation. And when we start crying out for the more for an entire generation, we've tapped into the heart of heaven. That he's, he's longing to pour something out on an entire generation that not just one of us can contain. He's looking to pour out enough tangible hope that it would cause just one of us to explode. That we need an entire company of people who are holding a capacity that's way bigger than what we could just ever carry on our own. And so I, I was just feeling tonight as we end this season, uh, just this engagement season, this season we've been in, you know, just wandering all around into different buildings at different times that we're just ending well. And you know, ending well, it doesn't always feel 100% awesome, but that's not the motivation for ending well. <laughs> you know, I remember when I was having my first baby, I didn't end well, but a baby came, you know? <laughs> and I, I, remember, I remember telling the doctor like, I'm actually done, I'd like to check out now you know and like you can't just be done like there's just no choice like you're having a baby you know and and if you've been in a season of agitation it's felt 
agitating, the growth, the, the feeling like new life is coming, a new season is coming, it's about to break forth. Like if that's felt agitating, you're not doing anything wrong. You're just finishing well. You're getting the job done. And as a, as a community of people, no matter what we feel, no matter how the process is going as a family, we're ending well. We're about to step in to just fullness of life in a way that we've never known it before. So wherever, wherever you're at in your own personal story, you are a part of a bigger story. You're not an isolated island and you're just navigating your own story. We're all in this together. We're tied together. So if, if you're feeling agitated, it's part of our story. If you're feeling excited, it's part of our story. If you're feeling full of hope, it's part of our story. If you're feeling hopeless. It's part of our story. And we're all getting in line. We're yielding in a place of humility and a place of confidence. And we're, we're taking our marching orders. And it's not because the person in front of you is better or the person behind you is less than. It's because it's the way of the kingdom. And, you know, I'll, I'll never forget. I was like 22 and I was at the school of ministry and I had went through one year and um, Sherry, Sherry Silk was my second year, first year leader. And she invited me to be a, a mentor, like kind of like what our revival pastors are in school ministry now. So I said, sure. And I showed up to this meeting and I wasn't just the youngest person in the room. Like I was like the youngest person in the room by like at least 20 years. Like, like I was like 22 and I don't think there was anybody in that room under 48. And it was like a sea of gray hair. And I thought, how did I get here? Like, did she, did she was she talking to me? Like when she asked me that, you know, and I'm, I'm like, I it was like circle the person that doesn't belong. Like I was the obvious circle and I'm like, what? and I went up to her and I'm like, I, I was just wondering if you noticed, um, everyone is much older than me in that room, you know? And, and she's like, oh yeah, you'll be great. And I remember navigating that year, leading people that were way older than me it, it was just a bizarre experience and having to have this thing burned off in me that it's not your age that qualifies you. It's not your giftings that qualify you. It's not your talents that qualify you. If anything about you qualifies you, then you have to keep sustaining that thing that qualifies you. But when you just show up and step into the spot, God has said you're in that spot. That's what qualifies you. It's that he called you and said, step into that spot. And it takes just as much humility to step into a spot that you don't feel qualified for 
to step as it does to step into one that you feel overqualified for. And we're, we're not a company of people who find our spot and rank based on our own opinion. We're a company of people who find our spot in the line based on the door the Father has opened. And we say, I, I'm at your service. I, I'm here to give you my life. And if you think I need to be in that spot with all the gray-headed, beautiful, wise, weathered, gorgeous women of faith, I'm gonna step in my spot in that place with these saints. And so I, I just felt a call going out as we are moving forward. There is an invitation to get in line, get in line, that your story is a part of our story, that you, your scent changes when you get in line, that the aroma of Jesus is resting in your spot. So I just want us to all stand up and we you know, as we just in this season, Jesus, in this place, we, we just want it to be written in your book. Man, they, their eyes were steady on me. We, we, want, we want to see you stand up in pride. We want to see you stand up over our sons and daughters ending well. We need enough hope for an entire generation. We need enough hope that the sound of our hope will find our daughters in a hundred years. We need enough confidence in your grace that it will find our sons in a hundred years. We want, you know, when the Lord brought back the captive people of Zion, they were like those who dream and their mouths were filled with laughter. We need dreams that cause our laughter to reach our sons and daughters a hundred years from now. We just open up our hearts, Jesus, and we say, we wanna dream from heaven. We wanna dream the dreams that you're dreaming. We wanna wake up and fill up all of our spots in this hour of history, confidently and full of faith. And we do just say, Jesus, that you are the overwhelming treasure of our life. It's all for you. It's all for you. Nothing could ever be bigger than being yours. We're just going to end in one song that Vanessa's going to lead us in. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.